Welcome to the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. We hope you enjoy your ride, and we ask all guests to be aware of your surroundings, because there is danger in Sleepy Hills. Additionally, we will be releasing new episodes weekly, so stay tuned, and please like and subscribe. Now, back to our latest installment. Lucy poured the steaming hot substance into two coffee cups with their mint tea bags and lemons. Oh, come now, George Second, Lucy teased the black cat that became her new companion just yesterday. George, her husband, surprisingly welcomed the cat into their home without any real resistance. A cereal bowl was filled with milk and the cat was licking madly over it, gazing at that tiny tongue attacking the bowl. There was just something off about her new little friend. The steam lifted off the coffee cup as if it were a steam iron that was left on for a bit too long. She admired how smooth and black the fur was on the cat. As if on cue, the cat turned around and stared from behind. The two golden suns that faced her made her stare in awe. Well, when you are done, we have a busy day ahead of us, she said aloud. To her surprise, the cat began to nod slowly, and it could have been her imagination. But she could have sworn the cat was smirking back at her. Well, the tea is still too hot, but we have another hot day on our hands, she said quietly to herself. George's hat was nearby, and a fanny pack with two water bottles and a picture of the license plate of the car. Remember, honey, do not forget this, said George, with a smile on his face. A plastic white bottle was presented to her, Placing her hand on the cap of the bottle, she grasped it and pulled. And the bottle's label read, Sunblock, which looked brittle. Thank you for everything, said Lucy, as she lifted her eyes above the label. But of course, said George. Lucy leaned forward and placed a well-deserved kiss. I love you so much, he said, as she pulled back. I know you do, and I plan to give an old friend a phone call after you leave. Remember, though, just because whoever does own that car may have nothing to do with that hit and run. You're only concerned with me getting a sunburn, but me accusing someone else of something they didn't do. George had that concerned look that Lucio knew all too well. Do not worry, I will behave myself, and you have nothing to worry about. Lucy, something 
is going on in this city. Homeless camps have been found completely abandoned, and people within the town are mentioning odd smells and a slew of disappearances. I would feel better if you took what was in the drawer left of the refrigerator. Lucy winked at George as she neared the drawer. Staring downwards on top of a kitchen towel was a snub-nosed revolver and a small can of mace with a bright red release button. Come on, George, you know how I feel about stuff like that. George's look told her that was the wrong answer. Fine, fine, she grabbed a tiny steel canister and shoved it into her trusty pocket. But I refuse to take the other thing. If I spot any trouble, me and George II are out of there. I just want to ask a few questions so we can help Billy. Turning her back to George, she sipped the less steaming cup of tea. Do not worry. I'll keep my eyes peeled and ready to retreat the second I catch a hint. A partial smile offered out of habit, manufactured on George's face. The license plate is local, and I know where the person who has that plate works. Maybe the person who owns that car knows where Billy O'Brien is. As Lucy turned her back to George to look out the kitchen window, the sound of the car crashing into the wheelchair flashed across her mind. The sound of the wheelchair being crushed underneath the car twisting metal sound reminded her of someone scratching a blackboard and the hairs in the back of her neck standing up. The sensation of George II rubbing against her leg startled her enough to pull her out of the thoughts of that night. Uh -huh. Oh, you are ready, are not you, my little furry defender, Lucy said with a slight smirk on her face. The cat seemed so comfortable. It was just yesterday that she found the cat at the front of her door. Bending downwards rewarded Lucy with the sounds of her bones and a realization that she was no spring chicken. However, she felt an overwhelming sense of duty to find out where was her friend, Billy O'Brien. As she slowly straightened herself 
from the floor. George gave Lucy a gentle hug from behind. You mean the world to me, said George, in my right ear. Despite all the years I've been with George, whenever he spoke to her like that, it just made her feel gleeful. Turning her head to the right, a warm pair of lips touched hers. Painful throbbing was the first to greet Officer Mueller. Laying lopsided, his eyes felt like they would bulge outside of his head. His throat burned with vomit and the aftertaste of the drinks only added to the revulsion. Stroking his forehead and trying to get some relief was maddening to him. His twisted body wrapped in moving carpet blankets only further restrained him. With slow movements and deliberate manipulation, his legs were again free to move. What time is it, he murmured as he rubbed his eyes the fourth time to free them from his crust. Wait, what about last night, he said aloud as he violently jerked himself into a kneeling position. could not have been real, could it? Was I losing my mind last night? Blind drunk, yes. But hallucinating those people with green glowing eyes and the sound of licking lips? It was as if someone hit him in the back of the head with a ballpoint hammer. His legs were painfully sore, but despite the fear he had of anything resembling a door. Come on, he said to himself. You were just drunk. With trembling hands, he opened the blacked-out window of his van. The rays of the sun caused him to roll backwards at striking the van floor. The blurriness of his van ceiling was swaying back and forth. It was as if his van was breathing and he was inside of a windpipe. His body felt like it was beaten and twisted. Worst of all, his van's rear door was wide open. While he laid there with zero plans to do anything, he thought of the fear he had that night not able to find the van while those things hunted him down. Damn it, he muttered as he rubbed his eyes to clear them up. 
And as his vision was restoring the events of that night before became clearer, Gordon couldn't help think about the people with their odd facial expressions and their green glowing eyes, the hunger in their eyes and the way they reached out to him. Their open palmed hands and their demonic desires made Gordon shiver. As if things couldn't get worse, a pair of feet walked towards the van with both doors open. The steps were frantic and uneven. The sound of the steps didn't reach Gordon's ear as his mind was trying to shake off what he had experienced the night before. Then as Gordon was laying there inside of his van, that kind of sounds like as Gordon uttered this, a pair of vice grips, like hands, clamped around both of his ankles. Then as he felt his body being pulled, his eyes snapped open. Hey, Dylan, we need to go to class early today. Remember, we're picking our story topics. Dylan had completely forgotten that today we needed to submit our topics. This final presentation made up as much as 25% of the total grade. And to be honest, Dylan hadn't given much thought about this particular assignment for his class. So while he looked at Jeffrey, he thought to himself, what should I write about? As Jeffrey and Dylan navigated the crowded hallway, Susan spotted Dylan. Susan, for the last few months, had been saying that they were currently dating. And if you ask Dylan, he felt bad for Susan when she was eating by herself. So in any case, officially, people in his class thought he was dating Susan. But he would merely say they were just friends. As he moved past the crowded kids surrounding the class president talking about a pizza day. Dylan darted around them as he reached an open door with a sign that read English class. The classroom was empty and that was fine with him and Jeffrey. Laying his backpack underneath his desk he pulled out his spiral notebook. He pondered what the topic should be. Hey, Dylan, a familiar voice that could only belong to Susan. Her soft yet vibrant voice squeaked. 
what are you doing so early in class? Well, we have to turn in our topics, and he and Jeffrey wanted to brainstorm which topics we would pick. I just cannot make up my mind on, on what to pick. Well, said Susan, maybe you should talk about Joseph Murdoch, the mayor of Sleepy Hills. My dad says he hates the mayor, but I think we should understand why he's so disliked. Well, you know, that's actually, that actually sounds like a good idea, said Dylan, as he thought about the idea of interviewing the mayor. But also it brought him some excitement and some fear. But overall, he'd be curious just to know a little bit about the mayor himself. He's heard so much about him on the news. Yeah, Susan said. I heard he was going to deliver a big speech later today. Dylan made sure to write the name Joseph Murdoch. And that concludes our episode for today on the midnight train to Sleepy Hills. Please stay tuned next week for our next episode and follow the journey of what occurs in the town of Sleepy Hills. Do you sleep?